Man, I'm so glad you guys are here. The holiday Sunday crowd. This is, um, man, I love it. Sometimes I think on days like this, uh, I've, I've never thought this way, but I was speaking to a pastor um, recently, and he was talking about um, wash days. He kept saying this phrase, wash days. I'd never heard of that. And I acted like I had. I mean, I, I, I know I don't know a lot of things, and I, uh, in my flesh, am very unqualified for this job. So a lot of times when people say things I think I should know, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I get it, wash days. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I, I said, hey, what do you mean by wash day? He said, you know, Memorial Day, Sunday, that's just a wash. Like, nobody cares about, like, uh, holiday Sundays. Those are just, you just go to church on those days just to, just to be there. And uh, I thought, man, that's a sad way of thinking. Like, I, I don't care if it's a holiday or, or another day. And, and the, today's not just Memorial. This is Pentecost Sunday. I can tell you there's 52 Sundays every year. I wake up extremely excited about church. I've never once thought, well, this will be a wash day or whatever. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I misunderstood him or something. I, I can't imagine thinking that way. But I'm telling you, what we have already experienced here today, this is no wash except for being washed by, I don't know, the spirit or something, washed by the blood. This was an awesome morning already. You've had a chance to step into the presence of God. You've already had a chance to receive something powerful. And based on that show of hands, I believe you already have. And if not, and if you have, man, keep those hands open because I believe the Lord is going to speak to you through the word today. And, and it can also lead to some major changes. In fact, the word is going to be the foundation that anything you just receive from the Lord has to stand on for it to last. Uh, I always like to point that out, especially when we're in a series like this worship series. Man, worship is a, a powerful discipline. And it's, uh, it is something that, like I mentioned now for two straight weeks, it's actually our greatest calling is to worship. It's why we were created, to bring the Lord pleasure, to worship him. And in doing so, we can't lose sight of the fact that even in worship, when it is set on a foundation of the word, then that's spirit and truth together. And that's, man, the most powerful, uh, that's the most powerful thing in the world is when we worship in spirit and truth. And when, when what we do is based in the word, I love that last song we sang, Is He Worthy? I mean, that was taking scripture straight from the book of, of Revelation, a lot of it, which you don't see a lot of Revelation verses in worship songs, and just declaring them and worshiping. Is He worthy? Of course He is. He is. What a great, what a great way to transition into the word is singing that song together. That was awesome. Well, thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for being with us right now. We recognize your presence, and we are grateful for it. Thank you that your word is going to bear fruit in our hearts and our lives today. Change us from the inside out. Amen. Amen. Okay, so part three of our worship series. I mean, Lisa and I, if you didn't know this, uh, we've been pastors here, lead pastors, for almost seven years. It'll be seven years on July um, fifth. So on our church's anniversary Sunday, the church's 31st anniversary this July will be our seventh anniversary as your lead pastors here. And we've loved it. Before that, we were on staff for 13 years as the worship pastors. And of course, we led worship here. Um, even before that, before we were the worship pastors, we were on the team leading together with uh, some other folks. And uh, worship has been a huge 
I mean, it should be a huge part of everybody's life. But Elisa and I, I mean, it's been the thing we have wrapped our life around. I mean, we've, we, we're, we're songwriters, and we've given 20, 30 years now to, to writing worship songs that we can sing here and that the church can sing across the globe and worship together. We, we was part of our job for over a decade. It's still part of our job. We still lead worship together. I don't lead as much here because I, I really do enjoy uh, not splitting focus between uh, messages and leading worship every week. I've done it before. Uh, I did it for a while, but I just got to tell you, I enjoy not splitting that focus during the week um, all the time, which is great. It's amazing that we have people like Will and, and Austin here who's on vacation this week and Ava Joe, and, and Serena and, and, and Joel and Annette who are powerful worship leaders. That same minister I was talking to about Wash Sundays, uh, we were talking about worship leaders and he was like, man, we have a hard time finding worship leaders sometimes at our church. And I just kind of in my head was counting I think we have 14 or 15 people who are a part of our church who have been on staff worship leaders at other places, which is awesome. It's awesome. So, so what a privilege to be able to worship together like this every Sunday. Today, what I want to talk about more than I've already talked about it in the past two weeks is how to make worship a part of every moment of our day, a part of every part of our life, bringing in his presence is what that does into everything we do, every decision we make, every moment we have. Is it possible? I'm telling you, yes, it's possible. And the most important thing we're going to talk about today, what happens when we do that? Because not only is our worship our highest calling, if this is your first week here, Go back and listen to the last two Sundays if you want on any, in any way you stream services. Just look up our church and listen to that. But the short version of that is people weren't created to do a lot of the good things that we do now. They're good things. It's good to go spread the gospel. It's a very good thing. It's a very good thing to go and take care of the needy. It is a very good thing to, uh, to, to, to come to church on Sundays. However, None of these things were the sole purpose for our creation. None of these things existed when God created man and placed him in the garden. There were no lost to go bring into the kingdom. There was no evangelism that needed to happen. There were no needy to go help, no hungry to feed, right? There was no sick to go heal. There was only Adam and Eve enjoying God's creation and walking with him. Revelation 4.11 says they were created and we were created for his pleasure. It's our highest calling to worship. And realistically in the world, in the flesh, in the earth, worship doesn't really serve a purpose, right? There's no earthly benefit from worship. That's, there, there are spiritual benefits, and I'm going to talk about that today. But there's no earthly benefit. Isn't that crazy? Our highest calling is a complete spirit thing. If we can start to see that, one of the things it might do is shift our perspective a little bit because this flesh, this body that we get around in for our time here on earth can start to feel like the most real part of us if we're not careful living on this earth. But there's a part of you that is so much more real and so much more lasting than this flesh is going to last. Just flesh, your flesh, we're, it's going to be in the ground one day, but our spirit is going to live on for eternity there's a part of you that is so much more real than what you can see, what you can feel, what you look at in the mirror, what you, 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 you aches and pains and things like that. You feel there's a more real part of you that doesn't have any aches and pains, right? And if we can begin to see 
that, then things like worship being our highest calling will start to make more and more sense. It's the only thing that I can think of uh, that we know for sure we're going to be doing for eternity in heaven that we do down here. I don't know if we're going to eat up there, right? I don't know. I don't know if we're going to take our dogs on walks. I think that'd be fun. I've, I've read stories from people that had visions of heaven, and, and some say they even know they were there, and they saw people walking dogs and having picnics, and that sounds great. Why not, right? God created dogs and gave them the need to walk and release those, those wiggles. I think we should probably walk our kids, too, sometimes, because they get those wiggles. But as soon as you put your kid on a leash, people start looking at you weird, and y'all know it. But some kids, I don't know, might be for their own good. It can be a really long leash, right? I want to talk about how to bring worship into your life every moment, every day, and what that does. And, and uh, Colossians 3.23 is a great verse. We've already read it a few times. I'm going to read it again. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. This is a verse that we can take and apply to anything we're doing. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. That creates worship in the middle of whatever you're doing. That creates room for worship, whether it's a nine-to-five job that has nothing to do with the Spirit, right? We, we assume kind of does a lot. Of, everything is spiritual to a believer. It, that, that involves, we talked about this a couple weeks ago on Mother's Day, making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for your kids for the hundred thousandth time, right? Do it heartily as unto the Lord. Right? Whatever it is, we can do it heartily as unto the Lord, and that brings worship into the moment. Years and years ago, how many remember, how many remember DVDs? How many of you still have a DVD collection? Be honest. Y'all know that's going to make its way to Goodwill really soon. Stop holding on to those things that you can stream and save space in your closets. Uh, but I'm thankful for DVDs because they have something a lot of streaming things don't. And that is special features. How many of you have watched special features on your DVDs? How many of you couldn't figure out how to get that director's commentary off and it really frustrated you for a while? Okay, so, uh, you know, worship DVDs used to have special features too. And Lisa and I had this old CD with a bonus DVD from Bethel Church. And this was back in the early 2000s. And we, we would watch this and we'd just put it on sometimes in the background and worship and one day the special features popped up, and I'm so thankful for these special features because we heard something that realistically changed our life and changed some of our perspective. And I know I've shared it here before, so I'm not going to harp on it, but this is the story. This is what we heard, and this is what shapes this message today. It was a story of a, a mom. She was a worship leader, pretty well known, and, and she's driving, or, or she's in the back of a car, and they're driving to an event where she's going to lead worship. And She's with her, her pastor, Bill Johnson, who's in the front seat, and she's telling this story, and I believe the phrase she used was wiping snotty noses all day and uh, doing the mom thing and having a frustrating mom day, and then that night, she was on schedule to lead worship in front of probably thousands of people, and she said sarcastically in the middle of frustration and in front of her pastor, she said, all right, mommy hat off, worship hat on. I guess I'm going to be a worship leader now. And he just looked at her and changed her life and changed ours when we heard it. He looked at her and said, the problem is the worship hat should have never come off. Worship hat on, mommy hat off. The problem is the worship hat should have never come off. And that just hit so close to home with us at the time. We had small kids. And shortly after that, 
I remember a night of worship right here on this stage. Lisa was playing piano and leading worship. I was beside her with the guitar singing, and uh, our kids were being very well behaved down here uh, on the front row, second row. I mean that. They were being very well behaved, so I had my eyes closed for a few minutes. People were worshiping. I opened my eyes, and I was surprised because Lisa didn't miss a beat. But Judah was literally grabbing her hair, which was longer back then, and we call it Rapunzeling. He was Rapunzeling up her back by her hair to sit on her shoulders, and she's still playing piano and singing. Uh, I believe at the same time Ava thought that looked fun, so she was on the other side, um, you know, at least waiting to Rapunzel next. And Lisa's leading worship, and these are a, a different time. I know she went back in her mind to something she heard the Lord say a few months before, which was a similar situation where she was worshiping alone in our house until the kids woke up from naps. And she heard the Lord say, why does this bother you? It doesn't bother me. Just bring them into it. So, man, we're up on stage and she's being mommy. But, you know, the worship hat never came off. And it was such a special moment. And there's people here in this room that were here that night. They still remember what a special night that was. And the worship hat didn't come off. And that's not something just for worship leaders. That is something for every believer. Worship is a part of our life. And when we bring it into every moment, even moments of frustration will start to be processed differently. That's what I want to talk about. That is one of the benefits of being in the presence of God. There are actually benefits from being in his presence. So how do we get from worship to being in his presence? Worship brings you into his presence. Isn't God always around us? Isn't he present everywhere? Yes. He is, but there's a difference. There's a deeper place we can get to in his presence. We've talked about the story of Mary and Martha two weeks in a row now, so I'm just going to remind you of it. Mary and Martha are both in the same room Jesus is in, so they are both in his presence. They are physically in the presence of Jesus. Martha was working. Mary was sitting at his feet. She calls her sister out. Don't you think she should be helping me? Jesus said she's actually doing the better thing. He didn't say, Martha, you're doing the wrong thing. He just said, Mary's doing the better thing. But this is what I want to pull from that story today. Mary and Martha were both in the presence of Jesus, but only one of them had entered that deeper place in his presence. Man, if you're married, if you have a deep relationship with somebody, even if you have a roommate, this can relate to you because you know, and I know, you can be in the same room as somebody else and almost not even acknowledge them especially if you're having a frustrating day as a married couple. Sometimes you act like strangers in the hallway, right? You, that, that, we all get into those traps, right? We have to pull ourselves out of them. But Mary and Martha were both in the presence of Jesus, but there was only one who had entered this deeper place into his presence. There's a scripture in Isaiah. I love it. It says, I see the Lord lifted high, and the train of his robe is filling the temple. And that is a very important tense because it doesn't say the train of his robe filled the temple. In fact, I've heard people use that verse in worship songs, and they change it to the train of his robe fills the temple. But the train of his robe is filling the temple is a constant thing. It means, yeah, the temple is filled with the train of his robe, but it is still being filled. There's more to it. It's never ending. It's never ending filling. That's powerful. Because, you know, you're filled with the Holy Spirit as a believer. But there are deeper places you can go. At one point, Paul says you can go from glory to glory. So we don't stay stationary. And as satisfied as we are in the work of Jesus, 
let's never be satisfied with how deep we've gone into his presence. And you get there through worship. Psalm 22, 3 tells us that you are holy, you who inhabit the praises of your people. Or another psalm, we enter his gates, his presence, with thanksgiving in our heart. We enter his courts with praise. It's the key to the gate. If you feel like you're standing on the outside of the gate and God's presence is right there on the other side and I've always felt like I'm this close but I've never quite got there, abandon everything else and use your key of thanksgiving and praise and get into his presence. That's how you do it. That's the key. That's what David knew that I think maybe not many other people knew. It's called the key of David. Through worship, through praise and thanksgiving, we enter a deeper place in his presence. Yes, he's all around us. He's everywhere. But you know, spiritual things can be of no use in your life if you don't put them to use. And you put them to use by acknowledging them. Philemon 1 verse 6 says, the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're not acknowledging what you have in Christ, it won't be effectual in your life. And isn't it funny? That's how our entire faith starts. How do we receive Jesus? We confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart. We acknowledge who he is with our words and with our heart. And in that acknowledging, we are saved. Now, once we are saved and we have acknowledged who he is, we then keep acknowledging every good thing we have in Christ and it begins to have an effect in our life. And if we don't acknowledge it, it won't have an effect in our life. There are more people than I can count that I know who will acknowledge every fear and anxiety that comes their way. Yet they will not open the word and acknowledge the truth that they have peace and a sound mind and power on the inside. It's so much easier to acknowledge the fear and anxiety because it's external. It's easier to acknowledge this flesh and blood than it is to acknowledge the spirit on the inside. Why? Because I can feel it. I can feel my hand. I see it when I look in a mirror. I know how I'm feeling right now, so I'm acknowledging this flesh. Yet in the book of James, it says, use your spiritual mirror and acknowledge who you are in the spirit and acknowledge the spirit. And it's the same with the spiritual things, with the good things that we have in Jesus. We acknowledge easy what's on the outside, the fear, the anxiety. I'm afraid. I'm anxious. We acknowledge that, that sinking feeling in our gut. We acknowledge the allergies that we, we, we walk outside in the springtime, even though it feels a little bit more like wintertime today, and, and the nose starts sniffing and, and whatever it is, and we acknowledge it, and it becomes very effective. But can we become a community of believers that acknowledges the truth in the word over anything we see in the flesh? And I'm telling you, as we do, that word and the truth in the spirit will become of more and more effect in your life more than ever. Man, I saw this firsthand in my own life. I've shared this testimony plenty of times here, but a quick reminder, man, I don't just talk about anxiety and fear like I'm preaching to, to, to uh, the choir. I'm a part of the choir I'm preaching to. I, in my flesh can be very much a worried person. I've spent several different seasons of my life uh, 
literally I could use the word crippled by anxiety once as a child when I was uh, every night would be just laying in bed afraid that somebody in my family would get sick or, or things I mean we're talking years before I was able to get breakthrough in that and then after my dad passed away for six months I dealt with such high anxiety I couldn't eat or even think about food without getting sick I would, I would try to stay home from everything. Lisa was the one that called me out. I thought maybe I was having an allergy. And one day she said, it's not an allergy. This is anxiety. And as I began to recognize that it was anxiety that was on the inside of me, every time I felt it, I would then recognize what the word says. How would I recognize it? I mean, out loud. I would feel anxiety in my gut. I would start to feel that sick feeling. And I would physically, with my words, say, this is not anxiety that belongs to me. What belongs to me is power and love and a sound mind. That's who I am. That's the real me. I got to the point when I would say, okay, this is just my flesh feeling this. And my spirit, I am brave and, and, and I have the, the righteousness of Jesus. And I would begin to declare the word. And I'm telling you, six months of dealing with anxiety, it was less than a month of combating every physical feeling that I had with the truth in the word, and it completely subsided. That was almost seven years ago now, and there hasn't been a moment that I've given into that since. So acknowledge the good things we have in Jesus. Acknowledge his presence as you worship and praise, and it puts you in a position, not like Martha, who was in the room, but not in that deeper place like Mary where she's in the room at his feet. And the rest of this service, what I'm going to do is talk about the benefits. So how do we get into his presence? Worship, thanksgiving, praise. It puts you at his feet. And here are the things that happen. These are the good things that we're about to acknowledge so that they can be effective in our life. So as we worship, as we bring that into every moment, so when work gets frustrating, Take a breath. Remember who you are in Christ. Declare the word. Even in my frustration, I have a sound mind. Even when my flesh is getting aggravated, I have a sound mind. The kingdom of God, this place I work, this brick and mortar building, this company, maybe even this house, might be full of anxiety, fear, doubt, whatever it is in the natural. But I'm here, and I walk in the kingdom, and that's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Remember these things, acknowledge them, because when you bring his presence into the room, we're going to the beach next week, my family. We're going to enjoy the sand. We're going to enjoy the water. I promise you there's going to be multiple moments that we're going to be on the beach, and my mind is going to go straight to, Lord, your creation is so beautiful. Thank you for this. That's, that's the simple way of bringing worship into that moment. It's so simple. I'm not talking about some deep, deep thing, some, some like say it the right way, do it the right way. No, I'm talking about acknowledging him, letting your heart be moved to thanksgiving and stepping into his presence. So here's, I think I got seven or eight things that uh, I want to get through. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on all of them, but I'm going to give you verses and you can go back and study them even for yourself. So the first thing is staying in his presence, meaning bringing worship into every moment. One of the first benefits you'll notice is fullness of joy, walking in joy. That is a serious lack of joy in this world. In fact, I would say that most people I run into, in the USA at least, just aren't joyful, right? I, I don't know why. I mean, like if you're, I don't know, if you're, if you're shopping Costco and trying to pick out beach towels, your life can't be that bad. 
I saw I saw this uh, thing that said if you make $32,000, it puts you in that top 1% you complain about so much. That whole, the one percenters are running everything. Well, you're one of them. If you make more than $32,000 a year, that's how good we have it right here where we live. So you can't say if I had more money, I'd be happy. You can't say if I was in that top 1%, I could relax and be happy. No, no, no. We can walk in joy. It doesn't even have anything to do with that stuff. It's because we are believers and there is fullness of joy in his presence. Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. When you bring worship into the moment, you will be operating out of that joy in the Holy Ghost. And what does joy translate to in the kingdom? Nehemiah 810, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So not only will you operate out of joy, operating out of joy even keeps you from getting burned out and doing good things. It keeps you from getting weary and well-doing. We were in uh, Colorado a few weeks back leading worship, Lisa and I, and there was a panel and somebody asked Andrew Womack, how do you avoid burnout in ministry? And his answer was simple. He says, that's easy. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at the work. Don't look at the people. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and you won't get burned out. I believe that. Do you know what operating out of joy does? If you're bringing Jesus, if you're bringing the presence of God into your moments through worship, you're keeping your eyes on Jesus. So not only will you operate out of joy, that joy becomes your strength. You'll avoid burnout. Man, it's good, good news. Bring him into every moment through worship. Operate out of joy. Here's the second thing. Man, peace is found in his presence. Isaiah 26, 3, you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. If you're a believer and you don't operate out of peace, it's simple. Your mind isn't stayed on Jesus. So physically, think about Jesus. Fix your thoughts on these things, the things that are good, pure, worthy of praise, and take them off of the things that are making you worried or making you fearful. That's what happened when I got past that anxiety. I took my mind off of the feelings I was having, the fears I was having, the physical feeling that I would feel in my gut, I would take my mind off of that and put it on Jesus, bringing him into the moment, bringing worship into the moment, stepping into his presence and operating out of peace. So you will operate out of joy when you bring worship into the moment. When you step into his presence, you operate out of peace. Here's a really good one. You will find more freedom from whatever has held you down to this world than you will ever find in your life through worship. Like there's great programs you can take. There's great steps you can go through to get freedom from things that bind you. But I'm telling you, bringing him into the moment, that will be the most real freedom you've ever had. 2 Corinthians 3.17, for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. Mary, we talked about her pouring that oil on the feet of Jesus. That oil represented a lot of money, about a year's salary represented work, yet she wasn't tied down to any of it. She poured it all out at the feet of Jesus. Extreme worship. We're going to talk about that next week. What happens when you worship deeply? It's, 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 next week's very, I'm excited about it. I already, I stayed up late last night putting that message together because I was just getting really inspired. But you'll find freedom from what ties you to this world. It could be addictions. It could be anything else. I'm telling you, you'll find freedom as you bring him into the moment, as you 
Step into his presence through worship. Here's a great one. Rest. This actually goes along with joy. But if you read Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shadow of the Most High, talking about being in his presence constantly. Dwelling means more than just stepping in, stepping out. Dwelling means living. This is your shelter. His presence is your shelter. It's referring to bringing worship and his presence into every moment. He who dwells, it taught, there's so many benefits Psalm 91 has. Miss Linda can quote it, and it's powerful when she reads it uh, or when she quotes it straight from her heart. That was awesome a few weeks back um, in our morning prayer time. One of the things, though, is rest. That's what I want to focus on right now, but rest. How many of you could use some rest? This world gets crazy. It gets busy. My dad used to always say busy stands for, remember, being under Satan's yoke. Busy isn't good. Busy isn't good. But there's seasons in life when maybe your schedule's a little more full than others, but make sure it's just a season because busy is not good. We're called to enter rest. We are seated in heavenly places with Jesus. We're not even standing in heavenly places. Standing takes some work. You know, like when all the graduates this week, I'm sure every one of them heard this. Now, don't lock your knees because if you stand there for an hour and lock your knees, you're going to pass out, right? So, even standing takes work, but we are seated in heavenly places. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies where we can sit and feast with Jesus. It's always at rest. How can we stay at rest? Even when we have to do work in the natural, we dwell in the shadow of the Most High and we dwell in his presence through worship by entering his courts with praise, entering his presence with thanksgiving in our heart. Isaiah 40, 31 is one you might know by heart. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting upon the Lord. We did a whole series about it. But that word means to wrap yourself around something. It's not a word of inaction. It's a word of action. When we worship, when we sit in his presence, we enter that deeper place. It is wrapping ourselves around the presence of the Lord. And as we wait, we won't get weary. We won't get burned out. No, we'll run and not get weary. We'll walk and not faint. It all goes together. This goes back to even being in his presence and the joy of the Lord that we operate in being our strength. Man, if you felt weary, if you felt burned out, man, take some time right? I don't know. Rest physically. But the most important thing, keep your eyes or at least put them back on Jesus and don't take them off. It doesn't take any work to get into his presence. In fact, the work got Martha out of it. Man, if, if you've been struggling with, with illness or anything like that, you find healing in his presence like never before. Matthew fifteen thirty says Jesus healed everybody that came to him. He still heals everybody that comes to him. Here's how we're going to finish this off. This is a good one. Breakthrough. If you've been waiting for breakthrough in your life, you're going to find it in his presence. You usually can't force it to happen. You can't make it happen. As a believer, you want to find breakthrough. Get into his presence. And if you don't know by now, the way you get into his presence, worship, praise, thanksgiving, breakthrough psalm 25 14 this is out of the passion translation and this is a great translation of this verse 
there's a private place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh, where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. That's where Mary was. Martha was in the same room, but she was cleaning. She was doing the work. Mary found a private place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. One of the ways you get breakthrough by being in his presence, sometimes you're just going to end up being in the right place at the right time. Not even any doing of your own. There was some folks here locally, I mean like within 20 miles of Lisa and I that we had been wanting to connect with and we were believing that we'd get to meet these folks, but we weren't going to make it happen on our own. We ended up in Austin, Texas at this thing we were at, and we met this exact people that we were praying to meet that live within four or five miles of us, and they became lifelong friends. We met in Austin and all came back to Gastonia and Charlotte together. We were just in the right place at the right time. I got story after story of that since we've already been talking about Mary and Martha. When Mary anointed Jesus' feet with that oil, we read it last week. Jesus said, uh, don't take this away from her. She's preparing my body for burial. Every time Jesus would talk about, there's going to be a time really soon when I won't be with you. The Gospels are clear to point out the disciples had no idea what Jesus was talking about. In fact, at one point they said, what are you talking about? And he said, I'm talking about what I'm saying. In fact, he says, I believe it's in the book of John. He says, I know you've heard me speak in parables. This is so funny to me, picturing Jesus doing this. He said, but this is not a parable. I'm telling you that soon I won't be with you, but then I'll be with you again. And it says they still didn't get it. He was basically saying, read the words that are coming out of my lips. They're like, man, he's, what is he talking about? He's like, I'm telling you what I'm talking about. I'm not going to be here, then I will be here. Mary had no idea that he was about to be killed or that he would resurrect. Yet he said, she's preparing my body for burial. Do you remember there was other ladies that went to his grave three days after he died to anoint his body with oil? But when they got there, the stone was rolled away. It was too late. They wanted to minister to the Lord, but it was too late. They weren't in the right place at the right time, but Mary was in the right place at the right time and had the honor of preparing the Savior's body for his death and his resurrection. That's powerful. I want you to leave thinking about that one today. In Isaiah 54, 1, this will be our last verse today. Sing, O barren, you have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. Why in the world would we do that? If you're barren, that doesn't just mean you haven't had a kid. That means you've wanted to, but haven't. This is a sad thing, right? Being barren. Sing, you who are barren, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. In other words, he's saying sing before your breakthrough because your promise is coming. You might be holding the promise, but just like Hannah that we talked about a few weeks ago, she was crying in the temple because she had never had a child. And when the prophet Samuel said, you'll have a kid, it says she left and she was no longer sad. She was living this scripture that Isaiah prophesied. Sing, O barren woman, the children that are going to come from you are more than even the one 
from the married woman. Anybody can get happy after the miracle comes. Anybody can walk in joy after you're holding it. But invite the presence of God into your moment even before you're holding the promise and sing, sing and shout and rejoice. You show me somebody who's singing and shouting and stepping into the presence of God before they see the promise, and I'll show you somebody who's at least about to get that promise who's about to get that breakthrough in the natural because they've already had it in the supernatural. When you can see it in your heart, when you believe what this says over what the world says, you don't wait until you're holding that promise. You sing and you shout and you rejoice even before you see it in the natural because you know it's just as real because Jesus said so, because God said so, because his presence is in the room and we're not going to be the ones that miss it. We're going to be the ones that step into it. In fact, we're going to be the ones that bring it into the room, his presence. There's a deeper place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh. That's me and that's you. You know now. You know now that as you acknowledge those good things you have in Jesus, they become effective in your life. Bringing his presence into every moment through worship. There's only good things that come from it. Only good things. Can you imagine the day, instead of having to fight through the frustration and acknowledge the Lord in that moment, the frustration just doesn't even have a chance to spark. You're just acknowledging the Lord in those moments. It can happen. You can get there. You can get there. Man, God is not going to leave you or forsake you. His presence doesn't sometimes show up when we worship. Sometimes it doesn't. No. Shows up. He inhabits the praises of his people. That's good news. Remind yourself of it all the time and then do it. Remind yourself of it and put it into action. But what about when I'm really afraid? That's probably the most important time to do it. Then really, really do it. Will the fear automatically just subside? I'm not sure, but just keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. And I know it will eventually. The band can go ahead and come back up. But James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he, the devil, will flee from you. So many times the anxiety and the fear that we face is because somehow, someway, the enemy is getting a message to us, and it always starts the same. Usually with this, if or why. If the word really says that God will never leave you, why do you feel so alone? If the Bible says you're healed by the stripes of Jesus, why are you sick? Man, if you're out there responding to ifs and whys with fear and anxiety, you need to recognize that's how the enemy speaks. Here's how the Lord speaks. The word says by his stripes, I am healed. If God doesn't leave you, why do you feel this anxiety? The word says he never leaves or forsakes me. That's the firm foundation of the word. Bring his presence into every moment by acknowledging him in that moment with praise and thanksgiving, whatever it is. When you leave here, when you're driving, I was talking to somebody before service and they said, man, I feel like I might, traffic might end up being the way I go in the end. <laughs> he gets very frustrated in traffic, I guess. But even when you're in traffic, man, rejoice in the Lord. 
always, even in traffic. Again, I say rejoice. Let's all stand together. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your presence. We are so grateful for who you are and your word that never changes. We want to step into your presence right now and put this message in action through worship. So even right now, whether it's one minute, three minutes, we just know as soon as we lift our voices in thanksgiving and praise, as soon as we turn our affection, our attention towards you, there is a deep place of your presence that we'll be stepping into in this moment. And we thank you that in your presence, we operate from fullness of joy. We operate in peace. We get freedom from addictions, freedom from what ties us down. We enter rest and we find breakthrough. We believe it and we expect it right now. Amen. Let's be